Uh, one other little quick announcement. Uh, come on back next week. We have a congregational meeting immediately following the services next week. So we'll uh, love to have you back for that. Um, here's a question for you. Do you, know the, do you know the resurrection Sunday morning story? Yeah, eh, you know it pretty well, don't you? Maybe over the course of a year, we forget it a little bit, but we'll watch a video at the top of the hour. That'll remind you, right? So we pretty much know the story. We've done a good job of kind of carrying down that tradition of of the resurrection, you know, Easter bunny and eggs and all that stuff really does a good job of teaching. (laughs) I just kind of thought about that a little bit. You know, in the Old Testament, when the children ask, Father, why do we eat bread without leaven? There's, then you have the opportunity to tell them, well, son, we, on the day that the Israelites came out of Egypt, they had to make bread fast because they had to escape and so on. Father, why do we have Easter eggs and an Easter bunny? Well, son, you see, it goes way back to, to be honest with you, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we get the job done pretty well. Everybody kind of knows what Easter is about and what it means, but I asked you that question because... Have you ever taken all four of the Gospels and meshed them together and got the whole entire story and the timeline? That's kind of the avenue that we've been going here. Last Sunday, we talked about Palm Sunday, and I recorded a little bit of the history leading up to that. Four months out from, the, from Palm Sunday, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And so that began to churn a lot of headlines in the newspaper and get everybody ready for the Passover and what was going to happen. And we saw everybody's wondering, oh, is Jesus going to be here this year for Passover? You think he's going to come? Ooh, a lot of fireworks may be going to happen. His life's on the line. But he, never, he doesn't ever really back down. You think he's going to come? It's going to be an awful fun year this year. If you came to our Good Friday service, you know that we kind of walked through the days of the week from the triumphal entry all the way to the crucifixion. We walked through the, the temple cleansing on one day and, the, and how he made the fig tree wither and the great day of preaching and teaching where he went straight at the Pharisees and the Sadducees as they tried to come at him and trick him and find him and trick him in his words and trap him in all of the hard conversations of the day, he had great answers. And then he just went right back at them uh, in an effort to try to win friends and influence people. He pronounced seven woes on the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law leading up to the crucifixion. So I thought, let's just take the day today. Let's take the day from top to bottom, let's see all that happened in the order that it happened. Because as good as you might know, a new insight or a fresh perspective might help re-entrench or help you to know the story that you already know even well or better. All right, so here we go. On the same day, I'm going to start a little bit in the afternoon. On the same day, there were going, there were two of them going to a village in Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you talking about? What are you discussing together as you go along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, Jesus said. (laughs) Just kind of get a kick out of that. Don't you? 
What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Boy, we just saw that this last week. The chief priests, our rulers, handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb, found it just as the women had said, but him they did not find. And he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And just like I've done this past couple of weeks, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself and all the events that had just happened, including the ones that we celebrate today. All right, I'm going to go to Matthew 28. This is the beginning of it all. On the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week. Anybody up that early this morning? Good, good. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Here is the resurrection instance. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Nobody was there to see that one except for the guards themselves. Mary or none of the disciples had even been there yet. This is right at dawn and an angel appears, rolls the stone away. The guards become like dead men. How did Matthew see all this? He didn't. He's writing by inspiration of the, of the spirit. But there you go. That's all we get. A couple of lines about the resurrection instance. All right, flipping to Mark. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. So Mary Magdalene comes running back. As it says in John 20, she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. She got a lot of exercise that day. The other two women have stayed at the tomb and we read this in Luke. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you at Galilee? The son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified. And on the third day, he raised again. And then they remembered his words. How do you forget those words? Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be condemned by the chief priests. No way. We would never let it happen. I'm going to be crucified. Are you kidding me? No way. But then on the third day, I'm going to come back to life again. How do you forget those words? 
just the same way in which you and I forget them so easily in the busyness of our schedule, in the worries of the day. Oh, how easy it is to forget. I got to be honest with you. I'd like a man in gleaming white clothes standing in front of me sometimes reminding me of the words that Jesus said. I think that would be great. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. So Mary Magdalene has gotten back to the disciples already. She has told them, hey, we went there. The stone was rolled away. There's no body. He is gone. And so this is where the story picks up. Peter and the other disciple, this is John. He never calls himself by his name. Started for the tomb. Both were running. Grown men running. I don't know. If I'd have done that this morning, I'd have pulled a hammy. I know that for sure. But the other disciple outran Peter. That's John, the track star. And he reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived finally and went to the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead And the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary Magdalene stood outside, stayed at the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this... She turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. I don't know. How do we do this? How do we forget? Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet returned to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he, what he had said and all the things that he had said to her. One word reminded her. It was her name. I wonder if you could hear Jesus say your name, if you could see yourself a little bit differently. I've had a little trouble with my name. 
The birth certificate says Benjamin. That one never stuck unless I was in trouble. It's too long of a name, so my mom and my dad, I guess, with no influence from my part, shortened it down to Benji. And that one went for quite a while. When my dad moved me away to a new town in eighth grade, I didn't really want to do that. But the one consolation prize is I could drop the JY and start over with Ben and get that taken care of, right? So it was successful. I, from then on out, I was known as Ben. Whatever your name is, however many letters, four, five, six, or three like me, I bet you a buck that if you could hear Jesus say it, you might actually see a little bit more yourself like he sees you. Think of it for a second. Just imagine for a second in the quiet of your heart right now. Imagine Jesus saying your name, looking at you and saying your name. Do you like your name? Do you like what's associated with your name? I bet you would after you hear Jesus say it. Mary, all he had to say. Incidentally, the first person that Jesus shows his resurrected self to is a woman out of whom came seven demons, Mary Magdalene. What does that say? Does that say something? I think it does. What does it say? I don't know that I know. Other than this, Jesus has got his way of doing things. He's got his way of making choices. I bet he thinks hard about who he shows himself to. All all the grandeur of Jesus is evident in creation. It's there for you and I to see every day. Full example of the power and greatness of God and the existence of God. But how about right down in here to know, to feel, to experience, and to see Jesus? He's pretty careful. Only to those who seek, he promises that they'll find. Mary was. It doesn't matter how many demons, 770, 777. She sought Jesus. She sat at his feet to hear, to learn, to listen. I don't think it's a coincidence that she is the first. I don't think it's a coincidence that in the day's events, Mary happens to be all by herself at the time, at the tomb all by herself. And this is the first time that Jesus is seen. Think about that. Seek after him. He will definitely show himself to you. So, the disciples then, a week later, see Jesus as he comes through the walls of the room where they're gathered together. A week later, Thomas finally, the doubting Thomas finally sees. And then I'll pick this story back up in Luke 24 on the way to Emmaus. As they approached the village Emmaus to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going farther But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. 
There's the hospitality of the day. So he did. He went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him when he broke the bread. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Why were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and with those and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen, and he appeared to Simon. And the two then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So the part of the details that they say to the disciples is it was right when he broke the bread that something happened to our eyes and we were able to see. But you know, before the breaking of the bread, it said our hearts were churning, you know, and something was going on. There was just, there was just this weird feeling. There was an anticipation that I can't really explain it, but something was going on. Maybe in your seat right now, there's something going on. Maybe you can't identify it accurately or completely, but something's going on. Something will happen. Something will click. And in a moment, Jesus will fully show himself to you. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. He just shows up at the right time. They were startled and frightened, thinking they'd seen a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh or bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer, rise from the dead on the third day. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you... What my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So it was about 50 days later that the Holy Spirit comes and it's the beginning of the church where repentance and forgiveness of sins has been preached since then. It's a great story, isn't it? Happily ever after? Well, I don't know about that. Especially when you wake up to the news of churches being bombed in Sri Lanka. Why? Why? Do you see, friend, this story today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, him being a dead man brought to life. Do you know that our society hinges on that truth? The folks in the church, they bank their life on it. Those who don't believe very much intent on tearing it down. What if, what if it was proven? I read a book once called A Skeleton in God's Closet. It was a novel about a man who was was an archaeologist. He knew history. He knew how to date things. He knew papyrus. And so in a cave in Jerusalem, he wrote the papyrus of what was written above Jesus' head. And he put that papyrus that he had 
dated on first century paper. He put it in the cave with the bones of a dead man from the first century. He discovered it and tried to get the word out. I have found the bones of the man Jesus. Here's the proof. And in the novel, all you know what breaks loose. The stock market plunges. Churches are empty and the fallout ensues. We have based our society and everything that you know on this. Take it away and it all crumbles. Just like your life. 1 Corinthians 15 says this. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we're to be found false witnesses of God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then even Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all people most to be pitied. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he went through death to get to life? You know, the same opportunity is there for us. Even the call and even the challenge for you and I to put our flesh to death, to die to ourself so that we can be raised and daily live a new life full of his spirit, guided by his spirit, and also quickened by his spirit to be fully alive And if that were not enough, since he's been raised from the dead, you and I also will be raised from our physical death to enjoy the joy of eternity with him. One last verse. This is 1 John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared We have seen it, we've testified to it, we proclaim it to you, the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And I hope today that by taking that everything that has been written about this day and this story putting it together to get a timeline. I hope that this new insight can help you. I know you've been to a hundred Easter's, heard the story, watched videos, watched the movie, but how easy it is to forget. And I hope the reminder today is something that'll quicken your spirit in just a little way. And that, that coupled with the beautiful day that God has given us, and the family and the fellowship that you'll enjoy today, let us never forget. And let us today at least fully remember that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And that is something to be celebrated. And it is also something that you and I will one day experience as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,
We know that you and your son agreed that he would give up the riches of heaven, that he wouldn't hold on to them, but he would take on the form of a servant and be made in human flesh, come down to walk amongst us. Again, Lord, the story is even more so that not only would he come down in his divinity to become human, but he would do that in order to die a cruel death for us. But God, we know that you've raised him to life and that he sits at your right hand now, that you have glorified him, Lord. And I pray that we today have also glorified him. And it's our prayer, God, that we walk out of here every day willing and ready to glorify him, to tell others, to be an example, to give up our lives only to be renewed again in life down here on this earth, but also just like him, to be raised up for eternity with you. Gracious Father, we can only say thanks, and that's what we do. Thank you. In his name we pray. Amen.